Welcome to the Real Estate Wisdom Podcast, episode number 26, where we delve into the world of real estate. Today, we are honored to have Brad Miller, a distinguished real estate professional with over 25 years of experience and the esteemed team leader of Goodale Miller team. Brad's unwavering mission to do right by people is a testament to his dedication to integrity and professionalism. His exceptional leadership has led the number one Century 21 team globally for many years. Showcasing his expertise in the industry, uh, Brad's genuine sense of accomplishment stems from the meaningful friendship he has formed with his clientele and his commitment to making their lives easier through dedicated and professional service. His deep-rooted connection to Oakville and his philanthropic efforts reflect his pride in giving back to the community he calls home. Brad is a friend of friends, and uh, I am honored to have him over here. Welcome, Brad. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks for coming, and uh, it's a family day, and you're spending time with me over Classic here. real estate, right? Classic Realtors real estate. working on what's supposed to be holidays. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, um, I know you're a busy man. I'm not going to uh, take a lot of time, um, and uh, let's deep dive into the questions which I have for you. Fire away. All right. So, Brad, I know you know South Oakville, Oakville very well. You're born and brought up over here. Can you give us like an overview of the South Oakville luxury market and its evolution over the past few years? Yeah, absolutely. So South Oakville has really uh, evolved in the last maybe even 15 years where it changed from, you know, the older homes built in you know, sometimes the 60s, sometimes the 80s to a place where people decide they want to knock down and build new. Mm-hmm. The trend is strongest in Southeast Oakville, of course. And, uh, you know, it's funny, I often tell people that in some respects, they almost have to look at neighborhoods the same way they would as if they went into a new home construction site. Now, of course, that's all digital today, but, you know, I'm a little bit long in the tooth here, but right. we used to go into new home construction sites, they'd have a big map right. laid out on, the gra- uh, on a table, and it right. would show you all the new streets that are coming in, and it would show you the lots and you could pick your lot. Well, a lot of those would be identified with a red sticker or a green sticker, right? right. All the red ones are sold. Yeah. And if you actually take a bird's eye view of South Oakville right. and start looking at it that way, you realize pretty quickly that we are really quite a ways along in, in transitioning into knocking down houses and, and building new houses. It's farther advanced in Southeast, of course. It's a smaller smaller area, right. but it's happening in Southwest too. I mean, areas like Bronte are on fire for that. Yeah. People obviously love the ability to walk to shops and restaurants. Same thing with uh, uh, Southeast Oakville. You know, the walking to uh, downtown Oakville was the proverbial goose that laid the golden egg for many, many years. Right. I expect that trend to continue, and I think that the increase in value of land is really the driving force between uh, what is um, driving our market values up. No, no, absolutely right. Like, you know, I remember um, even like 12 years ago, the uh, bridge road, for example, yeah. that was not the same as like what we see the bridge road today. I'm constantly amazed sometimes with the streets that go first. Yeah. You know, when I look at bridge road, I think, well, you know, that's a bit of a feeder street into a community. And right. There's tons of houses uh, on streets that are a little bit quieter than bridge road. Right. Yet and all. Ridge Road is, you know, probably 40% turned over at this point yeah. with new construction. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, uh, it, it's amazing, like, you know, how things change, but also uh, knowing over the years, because demographics change, 
people getting retired or going to you know uh, long term care and those houses like you know now they they're selling and the builders knocking on their door uh, you know better than anybody else uh, and uh, and it's the change happening just like in any uh, area or neighborhood it happens over the years yeah. um, but like a demand for south oakville has always been high yeah um, and and it's not changing and it's not changing no. and in, we may have a little bit of blips along the way right but if you ask me where do i think real estate's going to be in oakville you know 5 years 10 years 15 years 20 years from now i'm actually extremely bullish on it yeah i mean the description that i like to use to sort of oversimplify things is you know starting on a broader scope like is canada getting more or less desirable around the world as a destination for people to buy real estate and the mm-hmm. answer is is more right and then you say okay well what about the gta you know the economic en- engine that drives canada well the answer again is more if you look at the plan for toronto in the next 20 years the population is going to grow exponentially for well, sure well then you've got this little bedroom community called oakville not too far from toronto i mean i remember one time i went up in one of the condo buildings at 111 forsyth and it was a property that overlooked you know the marina um, like the river the marina out to the lake you know the tree canopy of downtown oakville and the beautiful little heritage style yeah. you know uh, restaurants and shops and then you just raise your eyes just a little bit and there's you know the cn tower and and toronto and bay street and you realize like you know what this is this sleepy little hollow right that's just a hop skip and a jump to the economic engine yeah and it's pretty special like it's scenic it's special and yeah. so again is that going to get more desirable or less and the answer is Oh, for sure. So, you know, just simple factor of, of demand, our real estate values will continue to increase. I have no doubt about it. Well, I, I know like you, you said it, um, the price and demand is always uh, the driving factor um, towards South Oakville. A lot of people have a desire to live in South Oakville, but the price, again, uh, that's where the consideration come in. And people sometimes wonder, like why it's so expensive over here? Even in North Oakville, I work in North Oakville, and the houses you look into, there's no space between houses. Yeah, um, lot sizes are smaller, and they even going on like a two and a half to above yeah. three million, even four million now. Yeah, well, it's um, all part of Oakville, right? And yeah, obviously there's differences in terms of lot sizes and whatnot, but you know, it's it's all Oakville. It's I mean, for the most part, if you're in the middle of Oakville, which ironically is where we've always located our office. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've ever figured that That's out. Right. Right? Yeah. That was a Bill Miller plan, yeah. just to be in the center of Oakville. We're realtors. Right. You know, we got to go in all different directions. Exactly. But, I mean, other than increasing traffic, generally yeah. you're five to eight minutes to any corner of Oakville. Right? Well, that's that's right. That's, uh, that's the beauty about uh, Oakville. And we are the only town where the, we have the Express Go. Um, yeah. Go from here to Toronto as well. Yeah. So people who are commuting... It's convenient for them as well. Uh, South Oakville is more desirable as well because you have the highway right there. You can take an exit right there. Uh, if you want to go Niagara, same yeah. thing, like, you know, easy. You know, and e- even though we talk about that as it relates to our workplace, what's kind of interesting to me, and I thought about it as I returned from a holiday recently, is yeah. sometimes we take it for granted how lucky we are to live so close to the Toronto International Airport, right? For sure. You sometimes talk to people that are on the plane, and you go, oh, well, you know, where are you going? And they're... they're getting off the plane and they're getting on another plane or they're getting off the plane and they're driving for four or five or six hours. Right? Yes. We're home in, well, <laughs> 20, pl- 20 minutes or so, depending on traffic. And of course, maybe another 45 when you wait for your luggage. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. It takes longer to wait for luggage than uh, to get home. To get home. Uh, well, 
Leading to my next question, uh, considering the average sales price in Oakville uh, decreased by 4% uh, from 2022 to 2023, uh, how has uh, this trend specifically interacted, impacted the luxury uh, segment in South Oakville? Good question. So what I've always found in the luxury market is it's a little bit slower to respond to changes in the overall Mm-hmm. Part and parcel of that is even driven by advice from us. It's like we don't want to make knee-jerk reactions right? because the higher the property value, the longer it takes to sell, right? Oh, sure. If it's a, you know, let's say $5 million plus home, well, look, six months to a year is not an uncommon time on the market. Right. It feels uncommon now because of what we've just been through. I mean, we've seen the most rapid increase in values followed by the most rapid decrease in values. We've, we've literally been on a... a they called teeter totter. Yeah. In terms of chaos in our real estate market valuations uh, in the last five or six years, right? I mean, it even dates back to 16 and 17. You know, 17, they brought in the foreign buyers tax and that took the legs out of a, a pretty chaotic market. And I remember thinking back then, wow, this is nuts. Yeah. Well, then COVID comes along. And of course, we drop a little bit. But as we roll out of that, it goes from nuts to absolutely. <laughs> Crazy. I don't know how to describe it? Crazy I know it's not even. Yeah, crazy is not even the word. Describe it, and where did all these people come from? And then, in the higher end, you know, these homes that used to take a long time to sell, all of a sudden they were selling in a week and two weeks. Right. And so, of course, now interest rates come along and they get jacked up to where they are now, and you know that really impacts affordability, as we know. Yeah. Right? We were discussing earlier that you know interest rates of uh, you know let's call them five and six percent, let's say. You know, we haven't seen those interest rates for 20 years. Mm-hmm. But 20 years ago, the property values were, you know, three to four times less than what they are today, right? right. So when you start talking about 6% interest rate on a 2 or $3 million mortgage, that's a, that's a big annual nut to oh, carry, for sure. right? So, you know, here we are with these rapid changing uh, prices. Yeah. And expectations sometimes take a little longer to follow where people go, well, you know, wasn't it just a few months ago these houses were selling pretty quickly? And I kind of try and remind people, yeah, but it was, you know, not only a few years ago where it literally took three or four times as much time to sell. Right. So let's readjust our, our, our expectations. Oh. However, all that being said, if we went through the Q3 and Q4 of 2023, what we found in the luxury market was that um, we actually had a, a pretty good start to the year. Right. And it looked pretty optimistic. And, you know, summer rolls along. And then summer in Oakville is typically a slower market in the luxury market, right? We all know that our summers are kind of short in Ontario. Right. And amazing. So, you know, you try and take advantage of them. Absolutely. So, you know, ourselves and clients, everybody's out there enjoying themselves while they can. Because, of course, everybody knows, you know, almost like September 1, it's like a ring a bell, like back to work, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I remember talking to my team, talking to my clients, talking to myself. Right. Summer, I thought, boy, it's, you know, it's slow. But is that a sign of people being away and enjoying summer? Like seasonal. Seasonal? Yeah. Yeah. Like typical seasonal? Yeah. Or is it a sign of something bigger? And, you know, as we got into September and myself and a whole bunch of other realtors flooded the market with inventory, you know, October and November roll around, we realized, you know what, it was a sign of something bigger. The market mm-hmm. had pulled back, but we hadn't had enough data to, to see it. Mm-hmm. Well, come, you know, December, quite frankly, even, even late November, early December, a lot of the people finally saw it and they adjusted their prices downward. December ended up being a good year, mm-hmm. or excuse me, a good month. Oh, for sure. And then January arguably one of the best Januaries I've ever seen in 27 years. Wow. And particularly at the high end, we started unloading 
a lot of high-end properties. Now, the interesting thing is the first ones to go were premium properties. Mm. Anything that was nearly new or new or obviously A-plus location. And interestingly enough, as we came out of other cycles, like, for example, when we had global economic meltdown, you know, 07, 08 in the U.S. and Canada kind of, you know, yeah. Their toe in it a little bit, and then we found out, hey, it turns out we have amazing banking, and we have an amazing real estate uh, market. That's right. And we kind of jumped out of it real quick. Well, even back then, the first properties to sell were the premium Premium properties, properties yeah. yeah. And, you know, people with wealth, they're smart. They see a dip, they buy. No, that's that's true. Like, and people who are keeping an eye on uh, South Oakville uh, market, and even in general, like in a, any market, um, and they know their goals, they know what they want to buy, they always... There, like, you know, they they take advantage of that slow market, right? Yeah. And that's what people did. And soon, one person did it. Now you know the friends wants to do the same thing. Yeah, it's it just like a psychological thing yeah. happens, right? So it's it's interesting you say that because a lot of people try and time the market. Right. But there's a segment of buyers that want to time the market, and as we went through 23, we all heard the same message, right? Interest rates are going up, and they're going to continue to go up, right? right. Bank of Canada made that crystal clear. So a lot of people said, well, I don't want to buy right now. It's going to, property values are going to continue to, to diminish. Yeah. And, and they were correct. And, you know, more and more buyers sat on the sidelines. Well, timing the market is only a small segment of the buyer market, right? Right. There's a lot of people that move that has nothing to do with timing the market, right? Families getting bigger, families getting smaller, death, divorce, corporate relocation, you know, lifestyle changes. There's all kinds of factors that... that that cause people to move. Right, for sure. And those don't disappear depending no. on interest rates. And so, you know, as we hit January and there had been probably three or four months of pent-up demand, all of a sudden, you know, buyers started buying again. They saw the prices were coming down. Right. And this is an interesting element too, and we're not quite sure if this is going to be a factor or not, but there is a sentiment out there that, well, first of all, most people do believe interest rates are going to come down in 24. Yeah. Right? I mean, we all, I think, hoped that it would be early 24, but... You know, the sentiment now seems to be like maybe it'll be you know early summer, maybe June will be the first interest right. rate reduction. Yeah, but I don't think there's anybody out there that doesn't believe that interest rates will be lower at the end of the year than they are right now. But there's another sentiment that sits behind that that says if interest rates come down enough, the market may just take off and get chaotic again. So yeah. there's buyers out there who are value shopping right now saying, well, rates are are still where they are right now, but property values have come down. If I get in now, I might actually be buying at a little bit lesser rate than I might buy from a purchase price perspective right. in summer or fall or, or you know, 2025. For sure. And, and and you can see it from the banks as well. Uh, right now, they're promoting more two years, three years fixed mortgages. Yeah. And this is like you know, one indication when they're promoting that means they know something is coming because yeah. price is going to go down. Otherwise, they won't promote that yeah. fixed well, one. I right? don't think we can sustain these interest rates. I mean, everybody I know, myself included, we're feeling it. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like you start second-guessing some decisions in terms oh, for of sure. financial purchases. You know, we feel it in, as we're out and about. Um, these, these interest rates are high. So I know we talked more about it, uh, but with the forecast of a 7% increase in average residential prices in 2024, what implications do you see for the luxury market in South Oakville? I think uh, we already talked about a little bit yeah, about that. I think we covered that a little bit. We covered I mean, on that? I, I, you know, again, well, if I had to summarize it in one word, yeah, bullish. Bullish, right? yeah. yeah. That's I mean, it might be flat, but I don't see it going down much anymore. I think mm -hmm. we've had our, our little dip. 
you know what's interesting about the sort of the the sign the graph of, yeah. of, of of property values over time right the rise is always bigger than the dip mm. dips are always small and they're short lived and then the rise comes back pretty quickly right right and and that's the advantage um like you know, i will say like the privilege we have in in real estate market in canada that price is always going up yeah you know the only caveat i would add to that is that sometimes we have a little bit of a myopic view of that yeah. working in the gta right you know through my um, exposure through century 21 and and i spent a lot of time talking to brokers and owners and sales people across the country right you know there are other areas across the country you know in northern saskatchewan what's let's say for example that they don't see the amount of wild fluctuations up and down that we see that's right but that's if right. you're you know major metropolitan city you know gta golden horseshoe you know vancouver we're really seeing uh, a huge um, flux in market values and it's completely driven by by demand supply and demand for sure well um now we're looking into people spending money i would like to know or probably our viewers like to know who are the primary buyers in the south oakville luxury market today and how has the demographic shifted over time great question um you know the primary buyers are still generally speaking executives senior executives you know cfos ceos that kind of thing um property owners obviously people in finance i mean i used to joke when i go into properties i'd say so are you a bmo or a royal and they go well, how did you know yeah. um, we're we're predominantly a finance based uh, community to a large degree because a lot of the people that lived in south oakville worked you know bay street kind of thing right um that hasn't really changed however if you go back about a decade ago and it's not just um oakville or toronto you know i mean it obviously started in vancouver there was a lot more interest from foreign buyers to buy in, right. in Canada. And and that changed substantially. I mean, we've seen it um, uh, and and you know a lot of people would describe foreign buyers as Chinese buyers. Right. And they do represent the largest uh, segment. But we've also seen uh, different cultures. We've seen South Asian, we've seen Arabic. Mm-hmm. Um I would say with the foreign buyers um ban especially yeah. that a lot of the buyers that we see are actually Canadians that maybe came in the last decade who settled somewhere you know and and now they're relocating so we're not seeing really very much if any you know non Canadian non resident foreign investment buyers right the people who are buying the houses are occupying them mm-hmm. you know yeah no that's that's pretty uh, clear because when i go and see and all the demographics and even my clientele like you know i'm coming from north oakville and a lot of people like you know southeast asian uh, chinese over there as well majority uh and now they eyeing on south oakville yeah um that's because they got the entry over there yeah. that's how they see like because that time 2017 market was so crazy and the development started in north oakville so people buying the newer properties uh the one thing which they didn't realize that the lot sizes are not as big as like what they get in south oakville i'll tell you what's yeah. interesting we don't see as many american buyers as we used to you know going back a decade really? prior there used to be a lot of american buyers and it was corporate relocation buyers right right they would sell the home in the city that they're living in the company would move them to a new location with a new position they had all these incentive packages to make it worth their while right they pay for their moving fees they pay them 
uh, for their kids' schooling. They help uh, with the sale of their home. They help provide mortgages for the new home. The incentive packages were massive for relocating employees. And a lot of these employees, they would just take advantage of moving. Right. And in addition to the jump in, in their salary because of the new position, they were making a lot of money selling houses along the way. Right. And uh, it was really 08, 09, like that the economic crisis in the U.S. when that changed a fair bit. A lot of the corporate relocation companies decided to have their corporate relocation client or their their their, their executives essentially right. uh, lease instead. Mm. So we've seen an increase in high-end leases. Correct. Um, but, you know, what's really interesting about the foreign buyers ban, because i got to be honest with you, I'm not a fan of it at mm. all. Mm. I, I find it exclusionary. Um, and I'll tell you why. I mean, we think of it, I, mean, I think a lot of people generally think of it as a Chinese buyer ban. Right. But, no, it's not. It's a foreign no. buyer ban. It applies exactly. to everyone. It applies to Americans. Right. You know, I'm not quite ready for a property in Florida, but when I go there, I don't want to be told by the Americans that you can't buy here because you're Canadian. Right. I'm a free market person, so you know I understand that we have a housing crisis, but that is a Band-Aid solution, and I'm not even willing to call it a solution. <laughs> it's government <laughs> jockeying, pretending that they're actually doing something to solve the problem. For sure. That is not really the, the, the problem. No, that's that, that's true. Like and you, you said it right, like because all these, um, uh, you know, the crisis we are in uh, about supply is house like you know, in for decades like you know there was not much development was happening and i always like say that like you know the biggest investment government haven't done is in infrastructure yeah and and we have seen it like you know during covid right people start living in suburb like you know brantford nobody wanted to go before yeah uh, niagara like all those uh, suburbs they bloom right yeah. 20 to 27 percent increase What's happened interesting is is that Historically, people have settled in cities. Yeah. That's where jobs were. Right. If by virtue of the ability to work remotely, mm-hmm. I mean, it has caught on. Right. But if it continues to catch on, I actually think we might see a paradigm shift in the way young people think. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to afford a home in the GTA or, to set, say, the Golden Horseshoe. Right. And smaller towns and suburbs and cities that are a little bit further away might become destinations. Yeah. Hey, go there, buy a home for three or 400,000, kind of like our parents were able to do. Right. And, you know, set up shop there. Mm-hmm. A less busy life, but you're still working for, you know, a corporation that pays really well and you're doing it remotely. That might be the answer. Yeah. We'll I, I, we, like, you know, I was in the Spread board. out. <laughs> no, absolutely. And that was, I always say, like, you know, uh, met, like, you know, uh, people, MP and MPP, uh, because on the government relation uh, yep. committee, and we always talking about the housing affordability and this housing crisis with happening. And these are all, just like you said, these all bandages you're putting in there. And that's what we're seeing that it, with the rise of interest rate, we're seeing that, like, you know, builders not building anymore. Yeah, the dual-edged sword, right? Yeah, you know, rise the interest rates, slow the economy, slow um, the housing market, right? Stop the builders from building. Yeah, and that's why I think like you know they had to change last year also in the foreign buyers uh, act as well that you can uh, do the construction. Yeah, you can do that, but you cannot buy like a residential property. Yeah. So it's well they're trying uh, what they know best, I guess. <laughs> But that's uh, uh, that's a all different topic. We can do the whole day yeah. about that, right? 
Don't get me started. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, looking at the strategies, like you know, seller strategies, being in South Oakville, what strategies are sellers in the South Oakville luxury market adopting to navigate the current seller's market conditions? Yeah, so obviously we touched on a little bit earlier about patience. Yeah. Um, I mean, the importance of pricing has never changed. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah. Through COVID, pricing yeah. didn't matter. You set a price, and more often than not, you just set a low price, and then the market dictated the property mm. pr- uh, sale price because it was so chaotic you could do that. Right. I mean, we are now back to what I like to call responsible pricing. Mm. If you think something's worth a million five, you might ask a million five fifty or a million five seventy five or million five ninety nine and right. you expect to give a little bit in your negotiations and sell close to what you ask you know I think we're back to that market um, I mean there's all kinds of other things that get factored in I mean um, I remember when we started staging houses years ago and you know it was giving our sellers this huge competitive advantage well not so much anymore because now everyone knows that they have to stage mm. and if you're not staging you're probably at a huge competitive disadvantage quite oh, frankly sure. and those houses really look poor on marketing. Oh, for sure. Um, but again, I think one of the things that we do different, staging is a catch-all phrase, right? Everyone says staging, kind of like saying you're going to go out for dinner and you think, well, geez, I'm going to be going out to uh, the finest steakhouse. This person's taking me out for dinner, but they take you to McDonald's. It's still dinner. <laughs> That's right. Staging is the same thing. I mean, it, right. not all staging is created equal. I mean, for our clients, we really go to the nth degree. We spend a lot of money. We put a lot of time and energy into it. We, we hire the best people. Um, because, you know, the reality is, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier, people still want to buy the turnkey home, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, new or nearly new, if it's renovated up in the sense that, you know, it's got the latest fashion trends. I mean, Oakville is a high fashion community, right? Well, sure. You know, you don't even find people driving, you know, eight-year-old BMWs anymore. It's, you know, it's a, the three-year-old cars and they turn them over, right? Well, it's a little bit the same as houses, although maybe the... Uh, due date is a little longer in the sense of, you know, what's current uh, as far as kitchens and flooring and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's probably about a seven-year cycle. But anything that's that's newer or appears new, um, that's the stuff that people want. So, you know, if you want to get the most out of your home, then certainly having it, you know, be the most turnkey or the most current in terms of fashion and style yeah. is really, really critical. Sometimes that's a decorating thing, right? So we yeah. can achieve that a little bit through staging. Right. And, and you... Sp- Presenting anything, like, you know, even as a, like a tastiest food, if the presentation is not great, like a lot of time people yeah. just reject it, right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes they go for like an even food is not that great, but presentation is great, like people fall for it. So one of the restaurants I frequent a lot is Coochie. You know, yeah. And the environment's amazing. Yeah. Right? It's always an amazing environment. The food, very consistent. It's right. almost always perfect. But I don't expect any restaurant to bat a thousand. Right. Yeah. If you go to plate to go to the, it's funny you say go to the plate. I'm talking about the baseball reference. Yeah. <laughs> if you're up to bat, yeah. You know, ten times in a row, you're, you know, you're not going to bat. You're not going to get a hit every ten times, right? So if For I go sure. to a restaurant every once in a while, I might find the food to be okay. Yeah. Not, not wow, that blew me away. But when you when I go to Kuchi, everything else, the service, the personal attention, the um, atmosphere is really really important. So, so yeah. you're bang on. Yeah, consistency. One yeah. thing, yeah. What well, one thing uh, I going to houses and doing evaluation and everything. And uh, recently, in the South Oakville, one of the builder from uh, outside of Oakville who come to Oakville and they got the land and they build it. 
And when, when we looked into um, the detailing part, um, in my opinion, they didn't understand the oh well the buyer. They didn't yeah. understand the buyer, what kind of buyer is coming in. Yeah. And when they want me to do the valuation for that property, yeah. I giving less and they say, oh, that house like so it's similar. I'm like, no. I, I see that a lot. Yeah. And um, you know, I used the expression earlier about the goose that lays a golden egg. I watched over the years builders run into Oakville to mm-hmm. build the same homes that they were building in different communities. Yeah. And guess what? You know, uh, foundation costs and framing costs and roof costs, these things are all the same. Yeah. Labor costs. Some of them might not use some of the exact same materials, but, you know, they're still expensive. Yeah. But what they miss is the formula. Yeah. Right. They try and skimp a little bit, and I've seen it. They they might skimp right at the beginning with, without using a proper architect, mm. and or they'll skimp with not using an interior designer. And you know, the other thing I see them make big mistakes with is, they might work with their realtor or their friend from another city, and they come in and they buy a property. Right. And they think that all properties are the same. Well, I bought in this neighborhood. This other home sold for X. I expect X. <laughs> Well, you didn't get the formula right. That's right. One and the yeah. other, the other, the last part of the formula is the lot. Yeah, and I tell people all the time, and this goes back to what we were saying about maybe building on Bridge Road versus building on a quiet court right around the corner. Right. You know, almost fifty percent of the success of the sale is did you do it on a premium lot? Mm. You know, and if you do it on a premium lot, well, maybe if the house isn't perfect, you can maybe still get the same money. Right. Because conditions always going to change. Like we just said, you know, after seven years, maybe that kitchen's out of date. I mean, I've seen people change their countertops after five years, right? Yeah. yeah. And, um, but condition, you can always change. Location, you can't. Mm. So I, I see a lot of what I call sort of Home Depot builds where it's yes. like they come in and they, they, they think that they're building high end. But high end is a lot more than that. It's, it's a combination of getting it all right. And, and you know, it's kind of like if you can, if you, when you go to photograph that home, if you feel like you can put that in the pages of a magazine like House and Home, well, then you got the formula right. Yeah. But if it's not getting in there, you're not going to get the maximum amount of money out of the property. For sure. But the other mistake I see them making is, is maybe even sometimes overbuilding for the, the lot that they bought. Right? That's true. I, I've, I've worked with so many custom home builders over the years. And I absolutely insist, I said, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm going to probably be the one that picks the lot for you. But when the architect's plans come in, I want to review them. Mm. I can see changes that you can make that cost the cost of a pencil and eraser. Right. As opposed to making the mistake when you're done. And, um, you know, I, not, a lot, not a lot of people have the ability to look at a set of plans and see 3D. I just happen to. Well, you, you know did what? the urban planning. That's your yeah. You're right. Your right. Well, but when I look at a set of fl- when I look at a listing, for example, yeah. of a house, a lot of the times I skip the pictures and I look at the floor plans first, right? And and I can see like you know, hey, if I don't like the kitchen, whatever, I can change it. But um, as it relates to builders, I want to be involved in the process, and then you know, I need to have that conversation with them right at the get go. It says if you buy this lot. Here's your exit strategy. Mm. This is the price. So work backwards from there. Right. Don't just start building it as you get along. You put an extra 450000 into it and come to me after and say, well, I need this. Well, yeah. you overbuilt for that lot. If you wanted to build that quality of home or that size of home, well, then let's put it on a different lot. Yeah. But a lot of those builders, I get them after they've bought with an out-of-town agent. Mm. They come to me and they're a little bit stuck. Yeah. And so what I always tell them is I said, look, it, I'm going to go back to the baseball reference. You might not hit a home run here. Yeah. 
you know, you might have to take a double or in some instances a single, but now that you're going to work with me, we'll, we'll make it up on the next one. We'll get a triple or a home run on that one. And I'll tell you, a lot of the builders, I don't advocate for, you know, grand slam home runs either. Right. You know, it can happen, but don't budget that way. Yeah. I said, you know, if a homeowner is selling a home and they're living in that home, well, they have the ability to ride out the market a little bit because they're living there. You need to live somewhere. Builders, when their home is built and it's completely empty, well, they have 100% of their uh, finances, finances meaning yeah. borrowed money because most of them still borrow, yeah. tied up in the property. And every month that it sits vacant, unsold, cuts into their bottom line. For sure, for so, sure. You know, a double, three or four doubles is better than taking a loss. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And uh, and that's lead to my um, next questions on that, you know, in uh, in terms of, how important are home upgrades and renovations in the current market and which one does you find offer the best ROI for luxury properties? Yeah, another great question. I'll tell you, one of the ones that uh, interests me a lot is flooring. Mm. So, and I remember, you know, years ago I used to say, you know, we had pre-finished floors. Yeah. The ones years ago kind of looked kind of cheap, right? Yeah. Um, so back then I'd be like, you know, you got to do finished on site, right? Much, much cleaner finish. We had different materials. I mean, at one point, uh, for a very short period of time, you know, cherry was very popular, but of course they right. got kind of red and they're no longer popular. Uh, walnut was very popular and, you know, very dark, very rich looking. Uh, and then engineered floors started coming started in. Coming and, you know, in. we were dark in the beginning, but now they're light. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because I think anybody that's maybe 35 plus all remembers light floors growing up as a kid. Yeah. Right? They all went honey yellow, right? Like they just were full of varnish and, That's right. and, and they just didn't look good. But here we are right back to light floors, but we're now have the ability to have light floors and wide planks and they're perfect. Yes. I mean, you put these engineered floors in and they're literally perfect and they're perfect five, six years later too. Yeah. And so it's funny when you go into a home that might be 15 years old and it has the older style hardwoods, Sometimes you can just swap out the hardwood and it completely upgrades the home. Right. That said, that's obviously one of the more difficult ones to do, right? You got to get all the furniture out, change the hardwoods. Right. Uh, but that's a pretty significant one. I mean, obviously, kitchens and baths, that has never changed. But, you know, sometimes people do lesser changes, you know. So um, maybe it's just sand and refinish uh, to get the colors current on the floors. But I find that you can do things like change light fixtures and right. they can really take a home from maybe more traditional into a bit more transitional, which is, is still very desirable in terms of a style. Sometimes it's as simple as, hey, let's just change the countertops. You know, they're granite. We can put on a, a quartzite product and change a few light fixtures, change a backsplash, and you know, maybe even just paint the cabinets or not paint the cabinets. So like You can make incremental changes to a home right. to really give it a little bit more fresher look. Um, but generally... You know, flooring, kitchens, baths, those are the, those are the big ticket Those are items. the big ones, yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, you know, that's the first thing. Like, you step on, like, you know, the flooring and when you're looking in entrance. And other thing is, like, you know, I, I noticed that, like, you know, uh, now the big uh, windows, uh, glass doors, like, you know, getting taller and taller. Yeah. And some of them, like, can have a, all glass in the back backyard. You're seeing the view of your landscaping and everything. Yeah. One thing you can't change is ceiling heights. Yeah. And that's a big driver in valuations. You know, if you've got a home that has eight-foot ceilings, I wouldn't advocate, you know, doing massive, expensive renovations to them. Right. Um, 
I mean, you can renovate, but just keep it in perspective because buyers will just walk in and walk right out because, you know, nine became the norm. Now it's 10. 10 Personally, yes. I prefer nine. Yeah. I think nine's the magic number for me. Right. I find 10's almost too cavernous, uh, saving except for when you have maybe a big feature window. Right. You got this beautiful backyard and, you know, with 10 foot ceilings comes bigger windows, right? But yeah. you know, maybe that's where you have a vaulted family room or something too, and you take those windows up. So, uh, but I like nine. I think that's a little bit more comfortable for me. And I know that's not what people are building, but that's what I have in my home. And I like it. That's, that's, that's great insight. And uh, I think like it's, this is the trend, like a lot of time people uh, miss it. And also like when initially they're constructing uh, the houses, they're not thinking about future. They're thinking about just right then, Yeah. but they don't plan it. Like, you know, are they going to live there for five years, 10 years, 20 years? Are they going to like the same thing and what their style is, right? Because some people are okay with like when they settle, uh, they're going to live with that for long. Uh, but some people, they want change. Well, lifestyle needs dictate the way homes are built too, right? Yeah. I mean, main floor office is critical. I mean, in my own home, I converted a living room to an office. I worked right. there a lot. Yeah. Too much probably. <laughs> um, but, you know, you go back to that whole concept of a living room. I mean, if you don't, if the home's not, say, greater than 3,500 square feet, builders aren't putting living rooms in. They're making yeah. the great rooms a little bit bigger. You know, people want more ancillary space. They want larger laundry rooms. They want wider hallways. They want bigger closets. You know, we use our homes a little bit differently. And going back to that ceiling height one, where the ceiling heights really matter, I think, too, is in the basement. Mm. You know, people are nesting. They're making home gyms, home theaters, like your basement. It's not the basement's we grew up in right low ceilings poor ventilation sometimes a little damp feeling i mean you know small windows you know builders making windows this big right that's all changed so i mean basements today are primary living spaces yeah for sure they matter uh they spend more i guess like you know more time now in their basements basements and backyards backyards that's what they they do uh well that's uh Great, great, great insight. But uh, here's the other question, because how are new developments north of Dundas uh, influencing the luxury market in South Oakville, uh, especially considering the preference for newer, larger homes and modern amenities? Like, you know, we talk about uh, newer homes, and that's what people eye on. But in terms of, like, a North Oakville and South Oakville, yeah. what so do you see in the challenges? One of the... There's a... We call it buyer profiles, right? Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're going to sit down and sell a home, you sit there and say, well, who's going to buy it? Yeah. Right? Is it a bungalow? Is it a, a main floor master? Is it, so are we appealing to maybe an older uh, couple? Right. If it's a four-bedroom, two-story, well, maybe that's, you know, somebody in their prime earning years and their kids are younger. And so, but, but a, you know, or a buyer from Toronto to Oakville, let's say. Well, one of the biggest buyer profiles we have in South Oakville is someone that already lives in Oakville. They live That's in right. North Oakville. They may have bought from a builder. And they improved that home as far as you can improve it, right? They've put, they, sometimes they bought from the builder, and maybe if they're there 10 years, they've redone the floors and the kitchens. And, right. And, and, you know, really put in high-end stuff. Um, maybe put, you know, three or 400000 in their backyard. But they're still on, you know, maybe a 40-foot lot, and they love Oakville, and they've improved that house as far as they can go. And they go, well, okay, well, maybe my next move is to go to South Oakville. And, and, you know, the larger lots, the bigger trees, for the most part, one-lane roads. That's right. right. Um, I have my commute is Lakeshore Road, and I love it, right? And so um, 
that, as North Oakville continues to expand and more and more people come there, it's actually caused the demand for South Oakville to also increase. Mm. Yeah, but it, uh, I like work in North Oakville and I'm getting a lot of requests so do we. for that. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. we do a lot of business I, in North yeah. Oakville. Well, like We're not so just South Oakville by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But generally, we don't do all price points in, in North Oakville. Generally, Correct. we get more luxury homes in North Oakville. Absolutely. No, that's that's great. Um, so, um, with the challenges of the new construction um, developments due to the rising cost, how is this affecting the availability and pricing of luxury homes in South Oakville? Well, there's no doubt that one of the byproducts of COVID was a massive increase in the cost of construction, mm-hmm. both in terms of the materials. Time. I mean, we saw delays in materials arriving, and of course, time is money as it relates to construction. Right. The backlog has lifted a fair bit. Um, we saw a lot of people put their projects on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, people, well, a big part of it was inefficiency in government. I mean, we got into a period where it was taking a year to 18 months to get permits through COVID, which, quite frankly, I think is almost criminal. I mean, mm. This was our business and we delivered that same level of service to our clients, we'd be fired pretty quickly. For sure. Somehow government got away with it. Yeah. But the problem was, is that owners of land sat there on that property and they financed it and they carried it. And a lot of people that build homes, they build them with the intent that, Hey, I want to live there with my kids. And people were looking at it going, well, it's going to take me this long to get a permit. It's going to take me now maybe a year and a half to two years to build. I'm going to be three or four years, like my kids are gone. Yeah. And so people turned over their lots. And for the first time in a long time, lots weren't all selling in multiple offers. Mm. We actually saw a drop in land value and people could buy land again without having to buy it that day, Mm. that night. I mean, Mm. I would counsel most of my lot buyers, if you're working with me to buy a lot, you have to have your money in place immediately. You can't say, hey, I need a condition on finance. Yeah. You should have your architect in place. You should have your builder in place. You got to have your team, right? right? I'll get the land. I can tell you what you can do with it. But, you know, if you want to talk to your builder, you want to talk to your architect, you need to have them ready because when I call you, you got to drop what you're doing. You got to come and see it right now. Yeah. Because land for a long period of time, if it was a premium lot, if it went on for two or three days, you were now competing. Yeah. Even then, if I could get you in there on day one, you might still be competing. Yeah, A lot of the competitive advantage that we provided a lot of our buyers was that we knew about the land before it came to market. Correct. So sometimes we still had to allow the property to come to market, but they had done their due diligence homework in advance. And so, you know, all that um, changed. You know, land values got softer. People weren't building. It's coming back now, though. You know, people are comfortable with the new normal, right? Anytime yeah. we have a a shift, right? Yeah. And so, you know, the last few years, it was global economic crisis. That's a shift. And then we had, uh, uh, you know, the influx of foreign buyers. That's a shift. And then we had foreign buyers. Man, that's a shift. You know, and then we had COVID, interest, rapid interest rate hikes. Those are all shifts in the market. They're ancillary forces affecting our marketplace. Right. There's always a period of adjustment. Hmm. Maybe it's three months, maybe it's five months, maybe it's six months. But then it becomes the new norm, and people get used to it, and they adjust, and then they just fall back into the same habits of buying and selling real estate. They might be shocked and, and stop doing it for a period while that's all happening, but 
eventually, like I said, people have to get back to buying and selling real estate for the reasons that people buy and sell real estate that have nothing to do with money. Yeah, and the saying is like, no, don't wait um, to buy a real estate, buy real estate and then wait. Yeah, right? big time. Big time. Well, um, future outlook we're talking, talking about. So what is your forecast for the South Oakville luxury market in the next five years, especially in light of challenging dynamics such as interest rate and inventory levels? And how do you see the impact of technological advancements and sustainability trends uh, shaping the future of luxury real estate market in South Oakville? So first answer, yes. bullish. Yes. And I am not a bright-eyed optimist. I don't just sit there and say it's always going to be good. Yeah. There's going to be times where it's softer. But as we condense, you know, smaller lots, smaller units, smaller condos, um, you know, that's all fine and dandy for those that can afford that. That's what they buy. Right. But the population of the globe continues to grow. Mm. And as the population continues to grow, more and more people get wealthy. Yeah. And wealthy people want what they want. They want a nice piece of land. They want a nice tree backyard. They want a pool. They want yeah, a banana. Sure. They want a big property. And that is a shrinking commodity. So I am very bullish on South Oakville in that respect. We will have blips along the way, but over time, uh, it will continue to increase in value. I think the second question was, you know, talking a little bit about sustainable it, housing and, yeah. and, and more efficient housing. You know, the catchphrase is net zero, right? Mm. Uh, houses that are energy efficient. And it's been around for quite a while. I have a couple builders that have been doing it for a while. And, and it's been a luxury item mm. to have it. Mm. But it's becoming more for the masses now. I mean, we're, we are regulating that houses are going to have to be net zero in another decade or so, all of them. Right. But change takes time. And so um, for a while... Building to net zero, you spent the money, but you didn't get a return on it. Mm. We're starting to see people appreciate it more, but also the costs of building to net zero are coming right. down. Yeah. So people are now finding it more desirable. And, um, you know, we're going to see things like power requirements in houses. If it doesn't have enough power there to charge all the cars that you're going to have to be That's electric, right. yeah. it's going to be a challenge, right? Yeah. Um, but it's also something that people are excited about. So, yeah. you know, I think whether it be solar panels or reusing your gray water, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm a big believer in the free market for solving a lot of those problems. I mm. do think that people see the opportunity to benefit financially from creating these kind of systems, right? Like hey, for sure. gray water systems and housing, if it's uh, affordable and people can put it in, well, they're going to do it. Yeah. And we all want a better planet. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. No, that's, that's true. Uh, you... You nailed it on that one. Um, one question was always like burning in my things because working with the government relation and keeping an eye what the zoning changes are happening uh, and stuff, intensification. And now there's a big pressure from not only from the government to the municipalities on intensify those ones, like a bigger lot, make multiplexes and yep. stuff. Uh, Oak will always have you know, their character, which they want to maintain. That's why we call single, Town of Oakville. Single family residence. Yeah, Town yeah. of Oakville. What do you see on that, the impact on that? It's happening. It is. The simple short answer is it's happening. And, you know, I lived in Vancouver before I got into real estate for two years. And 
the houses that I lived in, or the properties I lived in, I should say, and, and the properties uh, or the units that my friends lived in, a lot of them were detached houses with unit in the basement, unit on the main, unit on the second. Right. And that's commonplace. It's not commonplace in Oakville, mm. but it's coming. So, you know, as of fall, we're now allowed three units per property, mm. legal units, right? We've always had properties where there was a basement apartment, but sometimes they were legal non-conforming. Right. Matter of fact, growing up, you know, we had tenants in our basement. Mm. I was used to that. It doesn't bother me. Um, but that's not the way we've typically lived, particularly in South Oakville. Right. There will be a segment of buyers who see this as an opportunity. They'll look at older homes and they'll say, well, maybe if I'm going to rebuild, I'll rebuild it into a triplex. Right. And now they can do it. Mm. They may renovate to add multiple units. And of course, now there's a motion afoot to um, see if we will allow for a fourth unit on right. the property with an outbuilding. So you know, we don't have laneways behind houses for the most part like Toronto does because right. we're just newer and then our urban planning, we said, well, why would we do that? We have right. all new land. We're building from scratch, right? They're, the homes aren't as old. But the laneway housing thing in, in Toronto is real. Mm. And, you know, what's very interesting to me is we're selling a new home development site for Firmbrook in, uh, in Old Oakville. That's right, yeah. And the Old Oakville buyer profile, um, you know, generally people who are, are, you know, looking for a really nice home, want to be close to town, some of them it's their downsizing home, which is kind of funny to say, right? because uh, they're still, you know, 3,000 square foot homes. But the um, one challenge that we thought we were going to face is that a bunch of the properties were designated to have detached garages. Hmm. And we've seen in the past in Oakville that detached garages are undesirable, or maybe not undesirable, they're less desirable than attached. They're yeah. hard, they've been harder to sell historically, like we've got a bunch of properties like that in River Oaks, and, yeah. and they lagged behind in values to their houses nearby that had attached garages. Right. Well, lo and behold, we've sold a bunch of them already. And the buyers have come in and they said, well, I want to have that space for my adult child. Mm. They're going to make that their living space above the garage. Right. I, I should have mentioned that earlier. Some of these detached garages allow for coach houses so they have the space above. Yeah. And so we're already seeing it. So I think we're in for a paradigm shift. And um, I'm actually okay with it. I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I, I think that's one of the key ways that we're going to solve the housing crisis is allow these properties to have more people living in them. Right. Those that want to keep it as a single-family residence will, and those that see the benefit will, will you know, maybe add one unit, maybe yeah. two. Um, that's a great way to add to the housing supply um, with the housing that we already have. Yeah, like definitely, like, you know, investors, I can see that, like, you know, they look eye on that, uh, but also um, single-family home, like these days, most of the people are investors. I was surprised to see the l latest data uh, in Canada. Like, you no know, more than 55% own more than one home. Yeah. Right? Well, as Canadians, right. we've always recognized that real estate is an amazing place to invest. Right, right. right. And, hey, guess what? They yeah. were all right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we're talking about the intensification and uh, zoning and land availability. We talk about that, like, in the cover uh, we covered like a lot of um, great topic and thanks to your uh, insight, like, you know, years of experience in 
I was like amazed. I learned a lot uh, today just sitting with you uh, regarding, you know, uh, when you're buying a lot, uh, not building the bigger houses and how involved you are in the process, uh, giving that insight to your clients yeah. that, you know, is that will be the right fit or not, right? Uh, well, you know, what is a realtor really? I mean, a realtor, I think 85% of our value is our advice. Yes, for sure. And it's nice when we have clients that understand that mm. and choose to accept it. And it's interesting because I've had a lot of people tell me, hey, you're the realtor. You, you tell me what to do. It's pretty rare. Yeah. Um, but I've found that I use that same um, um, ideology when I'm out there, right? Like if I hire a contractor, I'm not a contractor. No. You know, I, don't, I shouldn't micromanage them. I, want, I hired them because I think they're a professional. And listen to their advice. Mm. Right, the same thing with my lawyer, my wealth manager. Like, hey, these people are really good at what they do. I mean, the key is to find the people that are really good at what they do. Exactly. Obviously, like all businesses or professions, there's a lot of people that aren't so good. Well, maybe those aren't the ones whose advice you should listen to. But yeah. for those that are good, take the advice. Well, thank you for your advice, and thank you for all the wisdom uh, which you shared with us, and definitely. I'm pretty sure, actually, like uh, our uh, listeners will enjoy that. And again, thank you for your precious time. My pleasure. Thank All you. All the best. Well, thank you for watching and keep watching us. And But don't forget to follow, like, or comment on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, on YouTube channel. Uh, we're here to provide the value to our clients by sharing the expert advice from industry professionals uh, who really uh, helping their client achieving their home ownership goals. So thank you for watching. Bye for now. Disclaimer, the information provided in this podcast is for informational purpose only and should not be considered as financial or investment advice. Consult with your professional before making any real estate decisions.